The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living, in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you, you will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. The Gospel of the Lord. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's a joy to be here and to see all of you on this very wintry night. We celebrate this solemnity of the birth of Christ, and it is a great feast on many different levels. First of all, it's a feast for our senses, because we are corporeal. We are not angels, so we have a body, and our senses help us to understand reality. So we see with our eyes, for example, the beautiful decorated church, the lights, the candles, the trees, all the different colors of the lights, and then, of course, how you've decorated your own Christmas trees and the homes and the cities, down the river, all kinds of lights. And it really does symbolize for us that Christ is the light and has come into the world. In whatever darkness we may have experienced or may be going through now, the great hope of this season is Christ is the light. And that's what is said in that first reading from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Light, of course, gives us the direction. We see what we're called to see, and Christ is the way. He says, whoever follows me will always walk in the light, will never walk in darkness. 
Well, this is a feast for our senses. It's also a feast for our hearing because we hear beautiful music, wonderful choir, thank you, singing beautiful songs. We hear the caroling. I was very privileged this past week to be at several of our children's choirs in the schools. They had beautiful concert and they were very excited, very enthusiastic, singing again beautiful Christmas hymns and parents were glowing as their children were there. It was a great experience. And we should sing because we have been saved from our sins. So that is a great reason to sing. And that's why the angels sang in today's gospel when Christ was born. It's also a feast for our sense of taste because as you know, we are going to taste wonderful food and drink on Christmas day when we celebrate with our families the traditional Christmas meal. And we have maybe relatives who we haven't seen in a while. We hear their stories. And that's meant to remind us that Christ was born in a manger, in a feeding trough, really, because he was meant to be food for our journey. He went to the length of making that a sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist. And this is the banquet table here. And we're, as a family, going to come and receive our Lord. So this really is a feast for our sense of taste. We're going to taste and see the goodness of the Lord in the Eucharist. Well, because we have a senses, we do have a body, and this is a feast for our body. Christ took on a human body, our body. And because he did that, we have great dignity. And even though our bodies get old and we die, because Christ rose again, and took upon him a glorified human body, which now is in heaven, he has promised that he will give us a glorified human body at our unification with our soul in heaven. So this is a feast for our body, this incarnation. More importantly, it's a feast for our soul because this child who was born was born to die, to shed his blood on the cross, so that our sins would be forgiven. And that's a great relief because sin can weigh us down as we know that. We have a conscience, we know when we've sinned. Sometimes we sin very greatly. And the effects of sin can be shame and condemnation, guilt. All of that washed away now because of Christ. That's what it's said in that first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Projecting into the future, he says, for the yoke of their burden, and that's ours, and the bar across our shoulders, the rod of our oppressor, you have broken, smashed. That's what Christ did, this child. Our guilt is removed, our sins forgiven. That's the great sacrament of reconciliation, which is a prolongation of Christ because he's given us the sacraments. So this is a great feast for our senses, sight, hearing, and taste, for our bodies, for our soul, and lastly for our personhood, because we are body-soul unity. Christ is the second person of the divine trinity. He personally came down to earth as a child so that we could have a personal relationship with him. He's personally invested in our salvation, taking on our flesh for that very purpose. And so, as persons, 
This is a great feast. And it's a great feast for all of creation because in the fall of Adam and Eve, all of creation was thrown into a kind of groaning, limitation, corruption. St. Paul talks about that in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, where he says, all of creation now is groaning in expectation of being freed from corruption. And that is what Jesus has done. Because by his birth, he's entered into creation. He's mended the brokenness of the earth. In the new heavens and the new earth, which he will inaugurate in the last times, in the general judgment, all of creation will be fulfilled. And that's again why the psalm response, Psalm 96 says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then the trees of the forest shall sing for joy. For today is born Christ. So this is a great feast on so many different levels. The question is now, with all these gifts that we've been given, how should we respond? Well, hopefully not like the innkeeper who turned away the very Savior of the world. I'm sure he didn't know that was the Savior, but still, this was a couple in distress, and the innkeeper said, sorry, no vacancy. Now, we can have that attitude, and at times we can say, we're too busy for the Lord. I'll pray some other time, or I'll go to Mass some other time. We can have our whole calendars filled up with things which are good, but do we have time for Christ? And that's the challenge, how we are called to respond. There's a story that I want to share, a true story. Albert Einstein, a great, great scientist, had to flee from Germany at the beginning of the war because he was a Jew. He came to the United States and he bought an old house near Princeton University. And there he lived. And it was known by the upper echelon of the academia and all kinds of important people were visiting him and discussing important matters. But there was also a little girl down the street who heard about a kindly old man who moved into her neighborhood. And she was struggling with her grade five math assignments. She heard that this old man knew something about math. And so she knocked on his door as a child would very innocently, can you help me? And he was so rejoicing to say, yes, yes, I will help you. Because of course, math was everything to him. And when he sees a child who's interested in math and he's been given a great gift, he wants to share it. And so he invited her in and he was able to explain her math problems in a way that she could understand it. Well, this finally got out to her parents who didn't know she was doing this. They were aghast because they knew Einstein was a very important person and didn't have time for children. And yet here their child has imposed herself on this great man. So they went to his door and knocked and were ready to apologize for the brashness of their child. And when they began the apology and they were kind of stammering, he said, no, don't apologize. I'm glad to be able to help your child because I've been given such a gift and your child has shown so much interest. And he helped her. 
And he helped many children, in fact, in their assignments. That story, I think, has relevance here because as great as Einstein was, we have someone more great than that. Jesus Christ has moved into our neighborhood. He's here in this house. He's in the tabernacle. He's going to be on the altar. And he's inviting us, and you have come tonight, to partake and to ask questions like, why, what's going on in my life? Why do I have these problems? And bring it to the master. He will be delightful to help us to explain what we're going through because he's come to bring the love of the Father. The real message of Christmas is, do we have room in our hearts for the Lord? The Lord has room for us in his house, here for sure, and in heaven. Jesus said in John's Gospel, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. And I have gone ahead of you, and I have prepared a place for you, so that where I am, there you may be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now that's why we celebrate Christmas, the Incarnation. Jesus is inviting us into his whole life, his home, eternal life. But do we have room for Christ in our hearts? That's the question. Let's be like that little child. We are children of God after all. May we have that innocence. Christ had to say to the apostles when the children are coming to Jesus and the apostles are trying to shoo them away. And Jesus said, don't prevent the children from coming to me for such is the kingdom of God made up of children. Let us open our hearts tonight and say, yes, Lord, there's room in my heart for you because you've made room in your house for me. And that's the joy. And when we do, then all of our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, our bodies, our souls, all become new. Everything is seen in a new perspective because we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And he has come to set us free and to bring us great joy now and for all eternity. And that's why you've come tonight. That's why we celebrate. That's why this is such a rich feast on so many levels. Let's thank God for what he has done and ask him, Lord, come into my life and help me understand who you are, who I am, and who I am meant to be.